At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am your host, Sean. Uh, my co-host, Susie, is out on date night tonight, so we don't want to get her in trouble with her hubby and uh, <laughs> screw that up. So, Susie, I hope you're enjoying yourself. But uh, filling in is, uh, you know, the OG himself, Mr. Brian Schiller. Welcome back, sir. What up, man? Not much. How you been? Oh, you know, just uh, been on the road, traveling around going to all these shows uh it's been really good man like i've ran into a lot of listeners of the podcast and uh it's always fun like i had a a dude come in today because uh what does john rap call me the pod father or whatever (laughs) and this dude's like hey that's that's the dude that's uh the paddle and fin guy the pod father and i was like oh my god dude like (laughs) i can't escape it you know but uh it's been really good man uh you know, just being back at the shows and I got a lot of shows on the schedule this year, but, uh, you know, running into the listeners, talking to everybody. Uh, I'm currently at the Indianapolis boat travel and sports show this weekend. And, uh, Chad Hoover's here, Gene Jensen, all the, you know, big Indiana folks, Richie Shaw, Matt Gibson, how come uh, none of those guys made it to Harrisburg? You Jason know? Young, yeah. Yeah, Harrisburg was like light this year. Like last year we had uh, Roland Martin and, and uh, Jimmy Houston. And this year we had like a bunch of local guys. I was like, what? Nobody wanted to make the trip to Harrisburg? Come on. I don't think it's the trip. I think it's the length of that show because uh, yeah. the gal from Lakewood Products, she had posted a video or like a little reel right after the show ended and she had like two Lakewood cases and she was laying on the ground outside. Like I made it through the show (laughs) and then the poor girl had to get in the truck and she had, what was it? Like a 14 hour drive home to green Bay. 
I'm like, dude, you are a trooper. And uh, she's like, I'm so glad it's over, but it was well worth it. And she said there was a lot of a lot of great people that came through that show. And that's one that's on my list to go to because I've always heard good things about it. it it's definitely uh, big. And, you know, the you know, at, when I first started going to it, the hunting was way bigger than the, 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 fishing. the fishing side. They Initially, the fishing side was like stuck in the way back corner, you know. Sure. And now slowly every year, it seems like it's taking up more and more spots and it's slowly encroaching on the hunting hunting territory now. Hunting's still huge there, but uh, but well, definitely. That's like... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Sorry. I was just going to say it, that even the kayaks, like Delaware Paddle Sports had a huge booth this year. And um, I like I, I had to stand in line to talk to people there. You know, it, it, it was it was busy. So, well, that's like here. I remember the first time I came down here um, to do this show. Was it 2019? It was like right before the pandemic, hit, I think, in you know January of 2020. And I remember like everything was in this back corner of the one building they call tackle town because they do a rv show uh motorcycle show one weekend's a deer and turkey expo um it's a really big show it'll take you like literally all weekend to walk through everything but like the kayak stuff was all in the corner now they have geez it's this huge section of the building if i had to guess it's It's probably 60, it's probably a hundred feet by a hundred feet. Okay. More. And okay. they got a big demo pool in the center and then they have all the different uh, manufacturers there. Like Bonafide Native has a booth. Um, Old Town has a booth. Uh, Wilderness Systems has a booth. New Canoe has a booth. Um, the local kayak fishing clubs have a booth and then the kayak shop who's there for all that, uh, moving waters outfitters. They have like, they like bring their whole shop down here and like you buy a boat, they carry it out the door for you and strap it down or That's throw awesome. it in the bed of the pickup truck or whatever. And like, they're super successful with it, but it's really cool with the demo pool there. You know, that always helps sell some boats, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's cool to see how far they've come down here, you know, compared to like the first time I came down here. Yeah. They, I, I always wondered why they didn't have a demo pool uh, at the, cause there, I think there's space for it. Cause even with it filling up that one section that it's in, there's still like a lot of open space where you sure. know, people are kind of just milling around. I'm like, that'd be a perfect spot to have a, a demo pool there. But I, get, I imagine that takes some logistics to get that up and running. So yeah, it's usually logistics and then you're taking up, floor space which that's not cheap you know um but they have like a they have at at harrisburg they have like a trout pond where kids can fish sure so um i'm it's basically i would think very similar to that but yeah yeah but the pools are usually you know three four times the size of the trout ponds you know yeah right right but it's costly but it's effective you know yeah which is cool yeah yeah absolutely but well, cool. Well, I'm glad things are going good for you. I'm uh, excited to kind of watch how you're, you know, blossoming. I can't imagine the networking too. Like I mean, yeah, just the yeah. amount of people that you meet in the industry has got to be <laughs> it, insane. It's, it's cool, man. Like, uh, um, like this show, um, the old town rep is here and I know him from 
working with Rocktown. Uh, his name's Shane uh, Tulowitz or Tulowitzki or something like that. Um, but I always love running into him. You know, obviously um, on Team New Canoe, but like we all talk, man. It's not like this, like oh my god, you're Old Town, get out of here, you know. So. It's always good running into those types of folks. Uh, the rep from Bonafide Native, uh, we just got a new rep here in the Midwest. So, like, chatting with her, Katie, good person. It's always cool to run into Hoover, Gene Jensen. Like, you know, it's like I remember back when I started kayak fishing, I was like, I could never talk to Gene Jensen or Chad Hoover. Like, oh, my God, like, they're a big deal. And, yeah, you know, Gene came over and was, like, messing with his phone, trying to figure something out, like, sitting right next to me. And I was like, you okay, Gene? Like, you know what I mean? Like, back in the day, I'd be, like, intimidated by that, you know? But, you know, we're all a big, happy family, dude. That's what kayak fishing's all about. So, but, yeah, you're always meeting new people, new listeners, stuff like that, dude. It's It's cool, man. I just love talking fishing so it works out no i i admit the first time i talked to gene i was first uh, flattered that he even decided to come on my show i'm like sure who am i to get gene jensen on here but he's right. like yeah sure and then yeah. you know and then we're like you know found out we're both braze fans and all had all sorts of stuff in common and then he, you know it was like a chatting with somebody i've known my whole life so he was yeah. a cool dude so definitely They're looking all... forward to meeting him in person so yeah we're all normal people, dude. It's like, yeah, it, we may be, you know, doing this over here, doing that over here, but we're all the same. We're all just goofy humans, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the reason why I asked Brian to come on, uh, and hopefully, you know, the timing is pretty good for at least some people here. I know here in Pennsylvania, you know, our temperatures have actually been warmer than normal. I actually got out on Wednesday to fish and didn't have to wear my dry suit. I probably should have because the water temperature was still pretty cold. Sure. But, um, it was almost 70 degrees here, which in February is like crazy. Yeah. And so I definitely took advantage to get out on the water and not have to freeze my butt off. And, you know, actually caught my, uh, you know, I've been trying to catch at least one fish every month. And I caught my February fish I just in that. time because now it's uh, now it's going back down to the 30s tomorrow. So, dude, it's it's cold here in Indianapolis. Like earlier in the week at, at home in Chicago, it was like or outside of Chicago, it was like mid fifties during the week. And, uh, and then yesterday when we left Chicago, it started snowing at like 11 o'clock in the afternoon. We didn't leave till six, six thirty, I think it was. And we drove through a snowstorm through Chicago. And then we get into Indiana and it tapered off. And then, the temperature dropped and then I think we pulled into the hotel here last night. It was like 1130 Eastern time and uh, it started snowing again. We're like, Jesus, dude, it's just following <laughs> us, you know, but you can't get away. Yeah, no, no, can't. But uh, what, what basically prompted this, uh, this sh the idea for this show is um, you invited Jimmy up to go ice fishing with you and uh just hearing the stories and you guys talk about how much fun it was i'm like man i gotta <coughs> try that and um i've always been curious about it it's been one of the few things that i uh ways of fishing that i haven't tried sure. um i'm not always the best in cold i have poor circulation in my hands and feet so um I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to you know figure out ways to keep my hands and my feet warm but uh i've seen you, some pretty crazy uh, huts <laughs> and that yeah. uh you know are, are pretty pimped out uh but um 
so that I was like, you know what, I just need to try it. And, um, I was always curious what, you know, what all you need just to get, just to get started. Like, sure. Um, but I figured the very first thing we should talk about is how to be safe about it because, yeah. uh, obviously w- when you're walking out on ice and, and, uh, there, there's definitely, you got to be conscious of, you yeah. know, how quickly things could go bad there. So, yeah. And they can go bad real quick. Like, you know, every year, especially up by me, like, you know, suburbs of chicago up in uh, wisconsin like i know i was talking to brad hurl boss a couple weeks ago and some dude was uh up in madison on the madison chain and he must have taken a wrong turn or something and he went towards the river channel and went through the ice on his atv and you know unfortunately the dude passed away and things like that. So like things can go from like zero to a hundred real quick. If you're, if you're not careful and you're not paying attention and things like that, but I'll never forget the first time. <laughs> well, Jimmy's only been up ice fishing once, but I like, I remember cause where we walk onto the ice is like where the actual boat ramp is that I usually go to uh, on the home lake there. And he was like, he was like doing one of those numbers where he was like leaning his foot out, you know, and like touching <laughs> the ice. And like, then he put a little weight on it and then he'd like go back to shore and then like take a step <laughs> out and then like go back to shore. He's like, are you sure this is cool? You know, and I get it. Like he's from Alabama. He's like never really experienced that before. And I'm like, here I am pulling the sled with the shack and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Let's go. Like, <laughs> you know, but I mean, that that's the first safety thing is like knowing what safe ice is and things like that. And, uh, you know, like they say the minimum thickness for ice that is safe for a human to walk out on a, a grown adult male, I guess, um, is four inches, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is really thick. It is pretty tough. I usually like to wait till it's like five um, just to be on the safe side. But like, have I fished four inches ice? Yes. Have I fished less? Yes. Was I an idiot when I did that? Yes. (laughs) Um, That was in much younger years and uh, things like that. But, um, you know, that's the thing, right? Minimum four inches of ice. They say uh, for a snowmobile or ATV, you know, six to eight inches minimum. Again, like when I had a snowmobile and I was pulling my shack out there, I always waited till it was at least eight because you got to think about it. If you're flying across a lake or whatever, and then all of a sudden the ice gives and you go in, like you're going however fast you're going. And as you're going in, you're going under the ice. And that's, that's where people get in trouble. You know, um, you know, what a lot of guys do is they have, uh, forget the proper name for it we always called it an ice spike but it's like a big steel pole and Mm -hmm. you'll see guys like in videos and stuff as they're walking out they're slamming this thing into the ice and the theory is is if just in a a normal drop if that thing goes through the ice it's not safe like you're you know so it's a good way to test the ice the other way too before you know guys started doing that was like go out and drill holes every four feet or three feet or eight feet, whatever, you know? Um, so, you know, and, the, and then obviously like a lot of, um, so when you drill a hole into the ice, you know, picture a slushy, you got all those ice shavings that are in the hole and you normally have like what we call a scoop or an ice scoop. And it's just like a, it's like a, a 
a ladle that you would use in cooking with like holes in the bottom of the spoon. I don't know the proper term for that. I just okay. use it when I cook freaking noodles, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you scoop out all the extra ice with that. Normally they put like a measuring tape from like the top of the scoop up the shaft of the thing. So you could stick it in the hole, get the scoop under the ice, pull it tight and then read, you know, how thick your ice is. Gotcha. And, like that. and then when you get into the far North, um, which sounds crazy to a lot of people down south, I'm sure. Um, you could actually drive your car out on the ice. And usually that's <laughs> like 12 to 14 inches minimum. You know, and you got to think too, like up in Minnesota, northern Wisconsin, Canada, like, you know, that ice could get two, three foot thick, you know, over the wintertime, which right. sounds crazy. But that's like driving on a freaking asphalt expressway, you know? Right. So, um, but I mean, most guys, when they get in ice fishing, they're not driving cars out on ice. They're just walking out on a pond or a lake or whatever. Obviously like rivers, you got to be super cautious because you have moving water underneath. Um, do some re- rivers freeze enough to go out and ice fish? Absolutely. Like I know guys that fish like back sloughs on the Mississippi, um, you know, the Fox river, which actually is the river that comes out of the bottom of green Bay runs through Illinois dumps into the Illinois river, which dumps into the Mississippi, like that will freeze up in sections where the current isn't that bad and you can get out and ice fish and stuff like that. So knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. You know rivers moving water creeks stuff like that that ice is going to get safer later compared to ponds and lakes and things like that so i mean that's the first thing and then obviously like when it's early in the season like that um they got what they call ice spikes and it's like it's picture a tether for your kayak and it's got like a handle on each end with like a little ice pick and that's in case you do fall in now you could grab that reach up and stick it in the ice, stick the other one in the ice and pull yourself up on the ice shelf. Um, so I always recommend that, you know, if you're fishing early ice or late season ice, um, definitely have those on you because that could save your life getting out of the hole. Like everybody thinks like, Oh, I'll just jump right back out. Well, you know, <laughs> when you're falling in 32 degree water, like, your body goes into shock pretty quick and your muscles and your things like that. Like we've talked about that a million times about dry suits and things like that. So, you know, it's the same thing, you know, I'm not saying you got to wear a dry suit, but there's actually companies out there that make uh, like your bibs and your jackets, you know, for ice fishing that actually they put uh, layers of the foam that's in our PFDs in it. So that, um, so if you're going to get in ice fishing, like that stuff could be super expensive. You know, if you're going to get heavy in ice fishing, I suggest like investing in that. But 
if you're just going out a couple times a year, giving it a shot, like you're totally fine. Just make sure the ice is safe, you know? Right. And just, and I will say this because over the years, I've heard numerous stories like so-and-so saw some dude out in the middle of the lake. So he thought it was good to walk out there, but didn't check the, the ice because he saw a dude out there. But lo and behold, that half of the ice or that half of the lake he walked out on, the ice was actually thinner and dude falls through and dies, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and usually you're carrying some kind of bucket full of rods and baits or pulling a sled and stuff like that. So you're holding on to that. You go in, that's pulling you down too, you know, hopefully you can let go or get released of that, but, um, you know, something to be conscious of. Um, that's the biggest safety stuff that I could throw out there. If you're fishing at night too, and you're fishing in an ice shack or whatever, it's always nice to like throw some kind of like 360 type light on your ice shack, especially if there's a lot of ATVs or snowmobiles running around out on the ice um, at night by where you're at. You know, like I fished on lakes where snowmobile trails actually cross the lake, huh. you know. See, that, so, I would never even thought that, you know, that that is something that never would have crossed my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and that's the thing too, right? Like, even though like, like my ice shack, right. It's uh, it's made by a company called Eskimo and uh, it's red and it's a big hub blind basically. And, but at night, like it's super dark, a snowmobile or an ATV isn't going to see it until they're right on top of you. Right. And normally you have like lights or like, I got a Coleman lantern. I always mm -hmm. have that goes on the inside of the shack. So if I don't have a 360 light, like I got windows in there. So I'll pull uh, a window covering down in each corner. Not that the window is open, but the clear is there. So that way, whoever's around can see light from all directions coming out of the ice shack. So that way, you know, they don't run us over because I've heard of stories of that too. You know, like guys just ripping across a lake and didn't expect somebody to be out there at 11 o'clock ice fishing. And then they end up running over some dude because they ran right through his ice shack you know yeah. so so something to consider there too on the i was on gonna the say definitely factor. some things to think about right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a whole different world man it's not it's like you know picture being in a kayak with a motor like you're gonna have 360 light on you're gonna have navigation lights it's it's kind of the same concept when you think about it um you're just on hard what we call hard water not soft water you know right so it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a precautionary thing you got to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Well, that, that makes sense. So now that we know what we should have just to be safe now, what about other just basic things? Like, do you need an ice rod? Is it like, I know I've heard of tip ups. I've heard of all sorts of cool things like that. You know, you know, uh, like, could you get away with like a, just a short rod or like a Barbie pole or, you know, even something crazy like that? Um, I mean, I've seen guys do it for sure. And it all depends, like, what you're fishing for, really. Um, you know, like, there are longer, heavier rods for guys that are fishing, like, walleye or northern pike or, like, some of your bigger freshwater species fish. Um, me, personally, like, when I fish, I'm usually going for either, you know, walleyes or, or panfish. Um, so, like, I use a shorter rod. So, like, let's let's break this down, right? Like, what do I need to go out there, like, bare minimum. Um, right. We always call them bucket heads, right? You need a five gallon bucket, um, some type of rod and some type of auger, 
right? And right. whatever your base. Gotcha. So an ice auger, it's like a big old school hand drill, you know? They do have like the gas powered ones. I've seen like some crazy ones. ones, yeah. Though a lot of what what's going down now is guys are using drills, battery mm-hmm. powered drills, and they're a high voltage battery powered drill. And um, you know, the the ice auger part is actually like a oversized drill bit. And you could drill yeah. through geez, three foot of ice with one of those. That's crazy. Um, but like you know, I have a gas auger, but I started out with a hand auger, you know, and, and those are relatively cheap. I think the last time I saw like 40, 50 bucks, you know, yeah. and that'll last you forever. And if you ever dull the blades, they make blade replacements. They're like 12 bucks. Um, but basically you're just shaving the ice down, making a hole. And they have different size um, augers too. So like, if you're just pan fishing, smaller pan fish, bluegills, crappies, perch, you can get away with doing a four or even a six inch hole. I like doing eight inch holes because I can get pretty much anything up through that. They even make a 10 and a 12 inch like hole, which is stupid <laughs> in my opinion. Like I like if I need that big of a hole, I could drill two holes next to each other, right? True. With, yep. with an eight inch auger. But you're going to need some kind of auger um, rods. Like it, again, it's going to be spe- species specific, kind of like, you know, you're not going to use a, a, a crappie rod in your kayak to go out and fish for walleyes and muskie, really, you know? Right. Right. So like one of my favorite rods, I like to fish. And again, going back, like, and don't get me wrong. I've caught walleyes. I've caught Northern Pike and I've caught in bluegill, crappie, perch, uh, white bass, tulipies things like that on my ice rod and it's uh it's like a medium light but it's it's got what we call a spring bobber so there's this real lightweight uh like i think it's aluminum might be steel um but it's like this thin strip of metal that comes off and it's got a little hoop on the end um so picture like a basketball hoop but taking the backboard and making it skinny and long and connecting it to your rod tip and gotcha. that's pretty much considered a strike indicator, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, but you could see the slightest little bite when a fish grabs it or like a bluegill puts a bait in its mouth. So that's why I like using that. And I've caught all kinds of species on that. You're usually using like, sometimes I'll spool up with like two pound test or four pound test. I've caught bike on that. You just got to play them and let them run every time they want to mm-hmm. dig, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, which is a lot of fun, right? Like, it's like catching a tuna on lightweight tackle, you know? <laughs> but, um, that's just my kind of like favorite go to. And then usually, like, you're using, um, you know, some kind of like real tiny teardrop jig for, um, panfish with like, uh, like a spike or a, uh, wax worm tipped on the back. A lot of the ice companies started making little plastics to imitate those or putting like little tail tentacles on the back and things like that. And the other thing too, that's big in the ice fishing world, which you're starting to see a little bit of in like the bass fishing world is like glow in the dark baits. So like they'll use glow in the dark paint for some of those jig heads. So when you're fishing at night, now that fish can see that bait from further away. Um, and they're, you know, 
honing in on it and, and coming at it. And then when you get into like walleyes and things like that, you're usually using like some kind of minnow. Um, like a lot of walleye guys, especially in Minnesota, northern Wisconsin, they use like a jigging spoon and then they'll uh, they'll put just the head of a minnow on a treble hook on the back of that jigging spoon. And you're just like pounding the bottom with it, ripping it up and down, and the walleyes will just come and hammer it. So, you know, in the scheme of things, you're you're essentially vertical jigging when you're ice fishing. You know, like you can't cast. You're just dropping lines down and, you know, working that area. And you'll hear the term hole hop a lot. Um, so guys will drill like multiple holes kind of spread out in an area and they'll hop around from hole to hole till they run into a school of fish. Cause usually when the, when the lake's that cold, the fish are usually out deeper or they're in some kind of grass and they'll travel around in big schools. So if you can find a school of fish, you can pretty much set up there. Or if they're on the move, now you can hop along the direction you think they're going. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but, um, you know, you could do that. And then you mentioned tip-ups. Tip-ups tip is like where you basically have a dead stick, right? Like if you were just dead sticking a bait out there in the water. You have, it's, it's it depends. Nowadays, there's like different forms of tip-up fishing where you could use an actual ice rod or a fishing rod or, you know, what it was back in the day. And, and a lot of guys still use it. It's like a foot-long board. And then it's got uh, in the center where like this spool line drops down and you pull the line off, you set your bait at your depth. And then you have a flag that you like fold over and it uh, hooks onto this little arm that comes off the spool. So in theory, when the fish grabs the bait, it's pulling the line, which is pulling the spool, which makes your flag go up. So that's tip up fishing or flag fishing, however you want to call it, you know? Gotcha. So you could kind of, what's cool about that is you could be sitting in your ice shack. A lot of guys in the wintertime, especially when you get up Minnesota, Wisconsin, they like sitting in their ice shack, drinking a couple of cold beers <laughs> and they sit there and they just look out the window and they're, they're looking for their flags to go up because they can cover a huge area and spread them out and they can sit in their ice shack, stay warm. And then, as a flag goes off, you run out there and you hope that the fish still has the bait in their mouth. And then you, what's cool about tip up fishing is usually you're going after a bigger fish. You know, usually you're catching a bass, a walleye, a pike, a muskie. Um, sometimes on like the harbors in the Great Lakes, guys are catching huge brown trout, steelhead, things like that. And, um, you're basically pulling that board up or you're pulling some line off the spool setting the board to the side and then you're grabbing the line and you're setting the hook with the line in your hand and you're bringing that fish in hand over hand, your hand line in that fishing. Okay. Gotcha. So it, it, it's kind of like when I think about doing that type of stuff, it makes me think of like way back in the day, like first settlers, Indians, like how they fished in right. the ice, you know, like they had some kind of string and, you know, they didn't have fancy rods and reels to do the work for them. So it's really cool. Like if you've never experienced that, like uh, it's it's super cool to do in in a different, completely different style of fishing than we're all used to. You know, so I mean that's that's kind of the gist of it. Like you know, to get started, 
you know, go get a cheap ice rod, usually Cabela's Bass Pro, you know, any sporting goods store bait shop in your area will have like a cheap rod and reel combo for 20, 30 bucks, you know, like ice rods are cheap. They can get expensive just like bass rods, which is kind of stupid because you're only <laughs> using them for like three or four months of the, out of the year. And uh, I've gotten into numerous arguments about that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you can go get a cheap rod reel combo for 30, 40 bucks, pick up an ice auger for 50, 60 bucks, bring your bucket um tip-ups can run anywhere between like 20 and 80 bucks depending on how fancy you want them to be um but um you know pick up a five gallon bucket you throw all that stuff in your five gallon bucket you get your bucket in one hand your auger in the other over your shoulder and you walk out and start drilling holes and fishing you know um there's definitely like some strategy like you know when you plan out going fishing in a in a lake or a river like you have to have an idea of where fish are Usually in wintertime, they're deeper and they're relating to structure usually. So, you know. I was just going to ask you that, that, that I was going to say what, you know, if you, if you have spots on the lake that, you know, in the summertime, oh, there's a rock pile here, or there's a, a submerged log here. Is that what you're shooting for when you go out or to be in that yeah. general vicinity? Okay. Yeah. So like, like I've talked about that before, like when we did the shaky head episode, right? Like in the summertime, yeah. I'm out there marking like brush piles and stuff like that on the lake. Well, what I'll do a lot of times is I'll bring, because I can pull my fish finder off my kayak and bring that with me. I'll put that with my transducer in the sled to get that GPS signal. And I'll go right to where I have a brush pile marked. And I'm like, all right, drill a hole set up here, you know? And um, a lot of our fish finders that we use on kayaks, you can get what's called uh, an ice transducer. Um, and usually they're like, it depends on the manufacturer. It could go anywhere from like 40 bucks up to like 200 bucks. But you could turn your normal fish finder into what they call like a flasher style. I was going to say, I think, I think my, uh, my old Lawrence uh, unit, I don't think my Garmin has it, but my old Lawrence unit had a flasher setting on it. Yeah. So, yeah. So you could do that. So what's cool about that is right. Like picture you have a circle and along that circle, there's all these little hash marks. And usually that represents depth, depth of water. And then in that flasher circle, you'll have colors. Um, and it depends like what unit you have and stuff like that. But I use like a Vexlar flasher when I'm ice fishing. So um, like when you get a solid bar or red, that's usually your bottom, right? So you can see your bottom. And then you'll have like these hash marks that show up above it. And they'll go from like yellow to green to red to green to yellow. And that's usually a fish swimming through. And then when you drop your bait down, that'll usually show up as red because you got your transducer down the same hole you're fishing. So you can see where your bait is, right? We call it video game fishing. And you see where your bait is, and it's this red mark. And as you're jigging your thing or whatever, and usually like when you're pan fishing, you're not jigging too much. But there are times where like you drop your bait down and you'll see a red mark come right off the bottom up to your little red mark and they'll just sit there and look at it. And then like you could, I've jigged uh, bluegills and crappies up 10 feet off the bottom before, before they actually bite. And it's so cool because you can see those red marks just come up 
and follow your bait. And then, you know, when that red mark gets about even, you get ready to set the hook because, you know, more than likely that fish has got the bait in its mouth. Totally different style of like fishing with a fish finder compared to a kayak. Usually kayak, we're just looking for certain things. Yeah, sometimes we see fish and it, it, it's almost like now that I'm thinking about it, like right here, right now, it's like that Old was cool live scope. Yeah. yeah, that's like the original live scope or live view or whatever, you know, because you could see fish moving up and down. But um, so it's kind of similar to that. You know what I mean? And like when I talked about like drilling a bunch of holes and hole hopping and stuff like usually like, yeah, I'll go to a spot that I have marked or I know like, you know, I usually use some like landmarks on the shore. Like, all right, right. the peak of this roof of this house is here the fence ends on this house right here and we're in line with that house up on that shore. All right. We should be good right here, you know, and I'll drill a couple holes and I'll drop my flasher down. And if I see a couple red marks moving in there or suspended up off the bottom a little bit, I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. we'll set up here, you know? So, I mean, that's something like I didn't get a flasher till geez, dude, uh, maybe, eight years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. Like I always just like had spots and I'd go fish them. And if we were successful, great. If not, we had a good time sitting on the ice, you know? Right. But, um, you know, going back to what we originally said, right? Bucket, ice rod, some baits in your auger, you can go out ice fishing. Then you get into like the flashers, like we just talked about. Or you get into like an ice shack because in the middle of winter, if the wind's blowing, it gets a little cold, you know. But um, the the most popular thing right now is like the hub style, like ice fishing blinds or ice fishing shacks. It's almost like a hunting blind, you know, a pop up hunting blind. And um, you know, I, that's what I use now. But I mean, literally, I think the, the heck is a floor space in my. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I think it's like eight foot by eight foot. That's crazy. So like we've literally, um, we did this two years ago, me and my buddy Eric, 
we uh we went out one night and we were like dude let's do this and uh we brought our cots out and we we had my mr buddy heater in there we fished all night uh did a fish fry off my camp stove and then slept out there in our cots like middle of ice middle of that's awesome yeah totally fun you know right but um uh you know you could fit like in my ice shack you could probably fit like three four guys comfortably um which is nice because you were talking about being cold and i'm like you have no idea because i got a mr buddy heater and it um i actually got like the uh the conversion thing so i could bring like a 20 pound propane tank with me if i want or it'll take like the two single green one gallon cans that we all know from camping right. but that thing uh when it's on high I think it's like 18,000 BTU or something. So oh, like sure in a nice little shack that could get pretty toasty. Dude, it gets yeah. toasty. I am usually <laughs> sitting in a hoodie and I got like my snow pants on or or my insulated pants and some long johns and I'm totally comfortable just sitting in a chair. And I remember when Jimmy was up cuz he was like, "Dude, I don't I don't have gear for that." I'm like, "Trust me, you'll be fine, dude." Like the coldest part of this whole thing is walking from the truck to setting the shack up and from taking the shack down walking back to the truck. <laughs> so once we get in the shack, you'll be totally fine. He's like, dude, you guys are crazy. And then that's where there's that uh, infamous photo. I was like, dude, like, it's not that cold, bro. I'll take my shirt off right now and pose photos like topless with these fish. And he's like, no, you won't. And I did it. And that's how that all came about. But it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, you could be super comfortable. And then like when you get further up north where they get like those thicker ice, the thicker ice packs, um, there's guys that have like permanent ice shacks, like a mm -hmm. good friend of mine. Uh, his son lives just north of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. He bought one of these ice houses and it's got a freaking stove in it, a microwave, <laughs> a heater, an air conditioner, a little place to go potty. And uh, there's beds in there and things like that, a radio, you know, some guys put satellite TVs on them and they leave them parked <laughs> out on the ice till it warms up, you know? Right. But, and, and it looks like it legitimately looks like a, a camper that you would pull behind your truck. And they do these things uh, on the wheels where you could, uh, you know, like on the front of a normal boat, you got the crank with the strap to pull it tight up on the trailer. It's yep. pretty something like that, but you release the wheels and then the whole trailer just drops down on the ice. And uh, so then there's removable covers in the floor and you drill your holes in the ice and, that's where you eat, sleep, and everything else in between, <laughs> you know, out on the ice. Like, I remember it was the first time I went up there and I stayed in his permanent shack. And that was the first time I think I had ever been in a permanent shack. We were on Lake Malax, and he had his shack set up on Three Mile Reef. And three miles means three miles. Like, we literally drove his truck three miles out and in the middle of the lake wow. where his camper was sitting and they like plow roads up there. Like the movie grumpy old men. That is real dude. Like <laughs> where you got like cities out on a, a frozen lake. It's crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. Like there's street signs and everything, dude. <laughs> like they put up street signs, like two mile reef this way, three mile reef this way. So-and-so <coughs> this way. Like, um, and I remember we were, we woke up in the morning, we were fishing and like 
I went outside to go to use the bathroom and dude, I thought I was on the moon because like the wind was blowing like 40 miles an hour and it was like super hazy and stuff. And it was like, you were in this dust cloud of snow. Like I imagine that's what the moon looked like. Like you couldn't even see shore, you know? And you're just like, where am I right now? Is this real? You know, right, but right. Um, there's so many different, like cool experiences I've had ice fishing. And I mean, ice fishing is like the first fishing memory I have. I caught a huge crappie through the ice as a kid. And that's probably as far back as I can remember. My dad says like, I went out and caught some bluegills or something in a pond somewhere like before that. But the, the first fishing memory I have is ice fishing with my dad. And uh, he had this little flip open ice shack and we went to the lake he grew up on and drilled a couple holes on a spot he knew and, you know, caught a bunch of crappies. And then I caught a, it was 18 and three quarter, 18 and a half or something. I don't know. It was 18 something inch crappie, which is huge for up here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, uh, you know, like, and that's just it, man. Like, Malax, like we caught some walleye. So like, there's nothing better. Like there's something that that cold water does to the meat of fish. Like I do a lot of catch and release ice fishing, but like occasionally, like if I'm going to keep fish at some point during the year, it's usually during the ice season because that cold water just like firms up that meat a little bit. And when you fillet it and cook it, like, especially like that permanent shack situation, you catch that fish you fillet it and you're cooking it like three minutes out after you pulled it out of a hole, dude, some of the best, best hmm. fresh fish you will ever have. That's awesome. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. I'm sure you got some more questions. I kind of went on a tirade there, but. No, no. I mean, you, you covered a bunch of the things I was going to ask about. I was always curious. I, I've seen the flasher circles and I was curious, you know, I, what, what you're actually seeing there, but that makes sense, you know, that you're, you know, that you have, you know, the red is the bottom usually, and then there's the red that is the fish. So basically you're looking for red, but yeah. movement of red, right? Yeah, right, right, right. So like red is 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 an indicator of like a, a hard surface, right? right? Yellow is faint. So like you can kind of tell the composition of the bottom as well. Like sometimes I've seen where like, you got this block of red, but like, there's like a slight little line of yellow and it's like, okay, that could be sand or muck or something like that, you know, but you're looking for those, those, um, you know, hash marks above the bottom, so to speak, that are kind of moving up and down or in and out, you know? Um, but yeah, fishing with a Vexlar, it's like, I know when Jimmy was up, I think I gave him mine. I was like, all right, dude, this is what you're looking for. And cause like literally it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Like we were on a huge school of bluegills and we probably caught between three of us. The one day we probably caught 200 fish. Wow. And like, it was just getting stupid, you know? And I was like, here, take this. This is what <laughs> you're looking at. And then I remember he made some kind of comment. I don't remember what it was word for word, but it was basically like, okay, I get this. I understand now why you were catching like two to my one. He's like, it's on now. And, you know, he could see those fish. He could see the his bait in that water column. And, you know, every fish he was setting the hook on. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, I know you, you mentioned like the lore, uh, like the baits that you're using, they're, they're like little jig heads, almost like smaller than crappie jig heads or like that, about that um, size. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends. Like they call them teardrops. So it, it kind of looks like a teardrop, but your hook is coming out of like the skinny end of the teardrop. Okay. Um, and uh, the big thing nowadays is tungsten because you can get a smaller jig head, but have the weight because especially when you're on a hot bite, like there's times where like you better get that bait down to the bottom as fast as possible um, before those fish scatter off because they think like whatever this feeding frenzy is goes away. Right. Um, but usually you're using like a teardrop jig or like some kind of jigging spoon usually. Um Colors can vary, um, you know, like say this is like your teardrop jig. And for those people that are uh, listening, I apologize, but you, <laughs> you can see like, that's kind of like, this is the skinny side of the teardrop. The hook kind of comes up and goes like this. So when you're vertical jigging and you have like either your plastic or a waxy worm or something like that, you're just like pretty much hooking it through the tip. So now you got this like little waxy worm or plastic out here and it's just flailing while this is barely moving. This has just got a ton of action in it. It's almost gotcha. like a, like a ribbon tail almost. You know how that flashes more than the rest of the worm moves as it's working through the water? Kind of a similar concept. You know, you got that tail action and that's usually what they're reacting to. You know, usually for the panfish, what they're feeding on, like their forage at that time, is usually like some kind of like bug or um, uh, what's the proper term for it? I want to say amoeba, but it's not. It's like a it's like a little insect that's not hatched yet. A nymph or a yeah, like nymphs and things like that. Sometimes there's worms that come out of the muck in the bottom of the you know the lake. You know, and they're feeding on those things like that. Um, so, you know, that's their forage. Now, when you're looking at like walleyes and bass and stuff like that, like walleyes are, are a cold water fish. So they're, they're pretty active. Bass are pretty lethargic. So basically, unless you like hit them on the head or they haven't eaten in like a week, then you might catch one. Um, I know guys that specifically go out for bass. I don't usually like to like specifically targeting them um but i will catch them on occasion just because like they're like i said they're super lethargic in cold water so you know you just don't want them to get you know gassed and not be able to recoup or whatever right um and then pike are super active so like the walleye and the pike their forage is those panfish you know whatever that smaller to them bait fish is in the water column at that time. So like sometimes in like specifically in specific lakes, like you can catch a perch or a bluegill or a crappie and use that as bait to catch a walleye or a pike or something like that on a tip up. Gotcha. So like, like in my, like my home lake, like you're not allowed to bring uh, live minnows in because they don't want it to like, spread into this invasive invasive species type thing. So what they did allow you to do is you can go out and catch, you know, a panfish per se and use that as bait. Or you could use like dead smelt, things like that. Um 
we did a video on paddle and fin it was me and jay ice fishing and i thought he was out of his mind and i was like dude what kind of drugs are you on when he told me this because he was like dude we could go out and catch pike on a hot dog on a tip-up and i was like what <laughs> he's like no dude like i've read it i've done a bunch of research like guys can catch pike on hot dogs i want to try it and i was like look dude if that's what's going to make you excited, like by all means, we can go ahead and do that. But, um, and so he did in that video, he bought the most expensive hot dogs that were at the grocery store across the street from my house. <laughs> and he bought the cheapest one and he set them both out. And the cheap hot dogs caught him, I think it was two or three pike. And wow. the one was huge, dude. It was like, a, I think we measured it at like 30 inches, 29 inches. And, uh, we have so many pike in that lake. So, and I had never eaten pike and Jay was like, dude, let's eat them. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to clean them. He's like, dude, I did my research, man. YouTube video, blah, blah, blah. I was like, <laughs> whatever, Jay, like, we'll try it. And we did. And, um, because you hear that old wife's tale, like pike are real greasy and slimy and oily. Well, if you fillet them right and you get all that slime and stuff off, like the meat is really, really and we ended up cubing up that meat and breading it a little bit and making tacos, fish tacos. Dude, my wife was like, I don't know what this is, but you guys need to do this more. <laughs> like, so it was really good. It worked out. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, if I keep fish during the year, like, you know, obviously I'm not keeping bass and stuff. I have eaten bass. It's not horrible but you right. know, i'm usually going after like a slew of panfish to have a fish fry later in the year or some walleyes or some some pike you know gotcha gotcha when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply well, cool. I mean, that, that sounds awesome. I, um, I, I've always been curious, like in Pennsylvania, we have definitely have times where it gets thick, uh, but it usually takes a pretty good cold snap sure. and then it, it can go away just as quickly. So, you know, that's, that's more like, more like what held me back was just knowing that there's probably years I won't get to do it. You know what I mean? So that's why yeah. I wouldn't just go buy an ice shack, you know? Because I'd probably start with the bucket, the 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 you know spikes and the auger, and yeah, yeah go yeah. with that. Because uh, you know, odds of me being able to do it more than two, three Once weeks or twice, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's just probably not in the cards for around here. But I, you know, it definitely sounds like uh, an experience uh, to do it someplace where I, I can't even imagine the you know <laughs> the road signs and. Oh, yeah, dude. three miles you're like i'm sure they got that up in like new york is probably the closest place to you michigan for sure but yeah it's, it's wild when you get up there up north dude like and you see all that stuff you're just like what what is going on right now you know but you know i get what you say like like this year i think we had maybe three or four weeks of good ice with this real mild winter we've had like and that's something too that you kind of reminded me of is like you talked about cold spikes. So like typically 
it depends how cold you're talking, but like it's usually got to be consistently below freezing for at least a week and a half, two weeks before you could get that four inches of ice. Mm-hmm. But if you get like two or three inches of ice and then you get a snowstorm, snow on ice acts as like an insulator. So the ice won't actually get any colder, which therefore it, unless it gets super cold, like it's not going to continue to freeze and get thicker get thicker which is is kind of goofy and then two like okay say you got six inches of ice but then you get two days in a row where it's 50 that ice might be super sketchy like Mm -hmm. you know and that's the thing too like especially if you got snow on top now that snow turns into water which is more weight and more pressure on that ice so like have i fished on ice that had some standing water on it yep was it smart nope like you know but you know use your better judgment and and i will say like when that water was on the ice like i think there was like eight to ten inches of ice so we were definitely okay it was just dumb standing in water all day (laughs) but well yeah um, because you got to imagine like if you're saying uh, the weight of a normal person if you add a couple you know standing water on top of it that's a heck of a lot more weight on that ice than just a just a weight of a person but for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing, man, is with ice fishing, you just got to be careful. We all read about it every year. Like, you know, so-and-so went in, you know, up on this lake or so-and-so went in through the ice on this lake. And it's usually, like I said, early ice, last ice, or somebody that didn't know where they were and didn't do the due diligence to do the research on like that body of water you know like i i know in the north up by us like you know you go to a new lake you go to the local bait shop anyways to usually get you know like i said your wax worms your minnows things like that you're like hey i'm going to this lake is there anything i should watch out for and everybody comes into the local bait shop and usually they hear something or they know something and especially too like there's some lakes up north that have natural springs and I'm sure it's the same way all across the country, but if there's a natural spring in the lake, now you got this consistent pressure coming straight up in this area and it, it'll keep the ice uh, soft. Right. So like a lot of know, times that that's a different temperature than the water around it too. Fast. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So you got to watch out for that too, you know, natural spring lakes, you know, do your, do your research and things like that. And, you know, just be careful. That's the biggest thing. But once you get out there, man, it's a ton of fun. And there's all kinds of different ice shacks out there from like cheap, like little one man <laughs> flip overs to, you know, the hub lines I talked about to four man flip overs to whole like ice trailers that drop down <laughs> on the ice and you're like in a condo in the middle of a lake, you know? So, um, and, and like, I will say this too, like, if you want to like just experience it once, like ice fishing in general and be comfortable and not like totally miserable, go anywhere up in like, uh, Northern Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, like there's some really good lakes and lodges that have those permanent ice shacks. And they usually have them on their honey holes and you go out there and they give you like a little stove in there. Like I said, you got a heater, you got a bathroom, there's beds and you just hang out out there and, you know, with a bunch of friends and, um, 
you know, have a good old time. And then the one thing I didn't talk about was in those shacks and you're doing the overnights, they got these things called rattle reels. And what it is, is it's, it's a, like a spool, right? Like a picture, like the spool that your, your fishing line comes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Now picture like the bulk spool, right? How it's like taller or mm-hmm. whatever. On the inside hollow part, they put like bells and like little like wood balls and things like that. So you set your line, you get in bed. And when a fish starts to take the line, that thing spins and the bells and stuff start tumbling in there. And it's like, hey, dummy, get out of bed. It's time (laughs) to catch a fish. And you get up. And I've literally, uh, in my buddy's uh, permanent shack uh, up on Mille Lacs, that first trip, I think it was like 4.30 in the morning. I heard the rattle reel go off. Nobody's getting up. And I get up. And, dude, I'm like, I got a big fish. And I'm, like, yelling at my buddy Scott. I'm like, Scotty, get up. Like, I'm going to need your help. Like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get this thing through the hole by myself. And he's like, ah, it's just a little walleye. And I'm like, no, dude. Like, this thing is huge. (laughs) Like, it ended up being, like, a 28-inch walleye that I caught through the ice, you know, at 4.30 in the morning. So, you know, then you get the photos and everything and, you know, do what you do and then go back to bed and reset, reset your line and go back to bed. You know, that's crazy. Wait for the next one to wake you up. And then, <laughs> you know, you usually got like the morning bite window and the evening bite window. But like a lot of those like shacks, like they'll set you up. If you don't have any gear, they'll set you up too. And uh, it's a lot of fun, man, especially if you can get a group of like, three or four or six guys to go like they have like big ones that'll sleep like six eight guys sounds and like we just, need to do a paddle and meet up like yeah that. dude i <laughs> i would be down for that i would be down for that you guys would have a ton of fun but there there's a bunch of resorts and stuff like usually it's like did you get like three four nights for like 600 bucks if you're splitting that four ways you know it's the travel getting there and then right 400 right. bucks and then getting back home but um I know there's a spot, I think it's North Dakota or something. They have these huge jumbo perch there that guys catch, but you could like take a train there and the train <laughs> drops you off right at the lake and the guide picks you up there and takes you right out onto the lake. I forget what it is. I'll have to look it up. If I find it, I'll like drop it in the comments on Facebook or YouTube or something. But yeah, awesome. it's, it's, it's cool, man. Cool. Well, there you go, guys. I mean, uh, if, if there's ever some incentive to go out, it sounds like the experience is, you know, you know, you know, we're all, you know, super fanatical about being out on the water and, you know, we fall in love with floating in our little plastic boats, but this is a, you know, just a, a different experience, but uh, definitely sounds like an enjoyable one. So, you know, go out and give it a try. If, make sure you're doing it safely, but, you know, definitely sounds like a good time. So. For sure, man. Yeah, and if anybody's got any questions, feel free to hit me up. You guys all know how to find me, but uh, yeah, man, it's it's a it's a nice way when you got cabin fever and you're just itching for the tug, you know, like get out yeah. there and do it, and you can get into it real cheap, you know. And then, like I said, like a lot of guys that get into it cheap, they go down the wormhole and they get the ice <laughs> shack and the flasher and all that stuff. But you don't need all that stuff, you know. Keep it simple, like you do in a kayak. Just go out and have fun and enjoy it. Yeah, I was kind of I was watching uh, Mike McKinstry had been posted uh, like maybe for he had really good ice for two weeks and he was out almost every day, but not no shack or anything. Just he was like, literally just, uh, you know, just hopping around. Yeah. So, you know, 
And uh, that's that kind of that was what me kind of reminded me that I wanted to do a show about this because I'm like, hey, look, you know, he's he's got some good ice and he, you know, had a fun two weeks of just, you know, catching lots of little panfish and stuff. I was like, man, that's cool. So. So there's a dude I follow on YouTube and I wanted to make sure I was like telling the right story, but he lives in Minnesota. He does a lot of fishing. It's it's a, it's a lot of out of boats during the summer and stuff, but he's made some cool videos and he used to be like one of the cameramen and the editor for Alex Perrick from the Guggen squad. Okay. Um, his name's Sam Sobi, but his YouTube channel is Sobi S O B I. And he does a ton of ice fishing up there and he does a lot of the hole hopping and stuff like that, but he uh, he also just last season bought like a cheaper like permanent shack that he kind of fixed up a little bit. He put like a whole like Dakota lithium like solar battery powered system in there <laughs> and stuff last year and stuff like that. But I know he's got a couple of cool videos up. Like I'm looking right now, like. Um, he posted one eight days ago, and it says insane school of overgrown crappies, and these things are huge, dude. But, like, his camera work, his film work, and stuff like that is really cool. But if you want to watch some, like, ice fishing videos and, like, see what, like, the flasher and all that stuff, like, what we're talking about, like, he's a good reference, dude, and he's a good dude. Like, he uh, he tries to be informative and show you, like, what a good time it is to be out there. So that's just one of the ones, like, I could reference, like, to go and check out, um, watch a couple videos to inspire you to get out and go ice fishing. And I know uh, Ethan from Mule Fishing also does a lot, uh, or ice fishing out where he is, too. Um, nice. Yeah, so uh, definitely check out his stuff, too. So Yeah, and we got the, the ice fishing video we got two ice fishing videos on the paddle and fin channel. Um, I, I will link those the in the, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll find the, them and link them in the notes. So yeah, the one we did like a year or two ago, we were messing around with, uh, uh, an editor a little bit. And then the other one was the, uh, pike video. Then when Jay caught the pike on the hot dogs. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty cool. Cool. Well, right. Brian, um, dude, thanks again for coming on. It's always a yeah. pleasure. And no sweat, um, wanted to give you a oh, for, oh before I forget, um, Ryan, uh, my old co-host, uh, had a bit of a mishap today, so he's uh, he has a, a broken ankle. I think he's he's casted up and he's going to be uh, laid laid up for a little bit. So any of you guys, I know a bunch of our listeners still uh, are in contact with him. So um, yeah, reach out to Ryan, just give him a quick shout out and say uh, you know we're all wishing him a, a quick recovery from his little mishap there. I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, up kicking butt again but uh for just a little bit he's going to be laid up just wanted to give a shout out to him and say hey ryan we're thinking about you and um you know wishing you a speedy recovery so yeah brother i i hope he does better i did a podcast with him uh a couple weeks ago yeah he new, did a new, new canoe. canoe yep I and listened uh, to that. we got done he's like man i kind of miss doing this stuff and i was like oh somebody's <laughs> coming back you know so but uh yeah, no, I hope he uh, he has a speedy recovery, man. Uh, super good dude, and uh, wish him wish him nothing but fast healing for sure. Well, um, and anybody, anything else you want to shout out? Uh, I know you've been crazy busy with all your new ventures. Um, I want yeah. to give you a chance to shout that uh, out a little bit. Just want to shout out Dale Hollow uh, that oh, yeah, yeah. up on Turdy X. Um, that's April twenty second, twenty third, that weekend. Um, so get signed up for that. Uh, 
it's down on Dale Hollow. It grows every year. Look forward to seeing everybody there. I know we've had we've been getting messages since like October about it. Like, what are the dates? And uh, so it should be a good turnout this year. And uh, looking forward to seeing everybody. Um, yeah, so good stuff. And then uh, go we check tease out that a little bit. Um, we may or may not be having Adam Riser on a few weeks before that uh Ooh. that tournament he uh Ooh. he i talked to him a little bit about maybe coming on and helping us move out a little bit yeah yeah so, uh, be sure to uh stay tuned for that that should be coming in the not too distant features yeah for sure dude he's he's like the dale hollow man like exactly. every year yep. he, he cashes a check in our event but uh yeah he knows how to find him on that lake for sure so that's definitely if you're coming down that's one you will not want to miss for sure. Cause Adam's a wealth of knowledge on that. All right, man. Well, thanks again for coming on. Um, yeah, man. Uh, looking forward to, you know, maybe getting out ice fishing sometime. I'm going to have to take a trip up and see you sometime. So. Yeah, dude, come on out, bro. Like I invite anybody like when the ice is good, like our ice is crap right now. Cause like I said, like earlier in the week, it was like in the fifties. Um, but yeah, one of these ice seasons. I know Jimmy's been like itching to get back up. He's like, man, I had so much fun. Like, I didn't have to think about this or that. Like, I just sat back in a chair and caught fish and enjoyed myself. I think I think we may have drank a couple beers out there or something. But you know, that's the thing. It's it's fun fishing. You know, you're just kicking back. You're not stressed out about things. And uh, especially, when I'd you're say on fish. Uh... I'd say what happens in the ice shack stays in the ice shack, but I've seen pictures, you know, somehow the pictures got out. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That is so true. All right, man. Well, thanks again, um, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I'll throw uh, uh, some links to a bunch of the things we've talked about, some of the essentials that you might need um, in the show notes. So be sure and check that out. Um, also throw in um, uh, the links to the Sobe video and also the paddle and fin ice fishing videos. And um, if you have any questions, be sure to, you know, reach out to Brian or or to me and we'll we'll get you in contact with the answers that you need um, or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, uh, basic guidelines to follow or, yeah. you know, what you need to get started. So for sure, man. Yeah. And there's like if you're questioning, like what's safe ice and stuff, Google what is safe ice to go out on and like you'll see eight different charts. They all say the same thing. It's not all hearsay, you know, like. There's scientific evidence behind, you know, the stuff I kind of talked about. So, but yeah, by all means, feel free to reach out. Love helping anybody get out, and get on the water, whether it be hard or soft. So. All right, guys. Well, until next time, this has been the Bass Fishing Noobs uh, podcast on the paddling or the channel on the Paddling Podcast. <laughs> we bring you the techniques, the tricks and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night. See you. See ya.
your Saturdays with Life on the Water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.